how good it is to recenter in our unchanging holy God who holds us securely. We are held in his love no matter what is going on in our lives or in the world around us. Why don't you take a few moments just to take some deep breaths and just be very mindful as you exhale of just releasing back to God whatever stresses or concerns or cares or even sadness that might be weighing you down. Just take a moment to breathe out. And now take some deep breaths in. And as you do, just be mindful of receiving God's love afresh and his peace, his kindness, his presence with you by his Holy Spirit. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Lord, we thank you for the steadiness that we find in you. We position ourselves to worship you, to receive from you and to respond to you today. Amen. Well, I do want to say a really warm welcome to everyone who is joining us today. Jody Kubo is going to continue our series on being and making disciples. And I'm really looking forward to what he has to say because Jody is not just someone who knows the theory about these things. He's someone who has lived this and breathed this over many years. And I find myself continually learning from Jody. This year as a church, our theme is together with Jesus. And in part, this is an invitation for us to meet up and to be disciples with others, to share our lives together. And to that end, we have designed three questions that just help us walk with others as we endeavor to follow Jesus in being and making disciples. And so the questions that we've come up with are on a little business card and you can take those, you can put them in your wallet or in your Bible and just have them as you meet with others. But they're also on our website. You can download them onto your phone and, uh, and just have them. But we really, really want to encourage you through this year, meet up with one or two others and just share these questions. Be disciples together with Jesus. Women, we're going to live this together with Jesus theme in our upcoming women's retreat on the 20th of March. And uh, you know, I'm so excited by the, the plans as they're coming together. And uh, we really do hope that you can join us for the retreat. There's actually only two weeks left to register. And so can I encourage you, if you know that you're coming, just jump on and register today so that we can then access the resources that we need to make this day really fun and really special for you. And just one final thing from me. We get to be together with Jesus as we build his church. And um, just there's some really practical things that still need to be done around this place, even though a reduced number of us are meeting. We still need people to join our worship team over the next four months or to be behind a camera, to do sound 
and to do some video editing. If you would like to, if you have those skills and would like to join the team, let us know. If you'd like to learn to do those skills, please also let us know. Or perhaps you're more of a background kind of person and, um, you know, there are some really, really helpful things that you could do in cleaning a section of the church, weeding a garden, mowing a lawn. You know, it just takes many, many people to, to have us function together in being a church. So we would love to hear from you. This is the last week to let us know. You can jump on the website or through the e-newsletter and let us know what you would like to do and how frequently or infrequently you'd like to do it. Well, without further ado, let's continue in our service. Hello, my name is Jody, and I work with a Christian organization that reaches out to international students called Power to Change on the university campuses here. My wife and I have been coming to Paramount Baptist Church. Well, I was calculating this morning, uh, yeah, believe it or not, since 9 BC. 9 BC. Yeah, that's right, right. 2011. It was nine years before COVID. There you go. So we're longtime members here. And this is the second of our series on discipleship. Kathy last week spoke on the call of discipleship. If you missed it, it's always available online. Please take a look. We're talking about being and making disciples. Now, sometimes that can be really confusing. Discipleship. Am I a disciple? How do you actually make a disciple? It can be confusing. Well, you don't have to be a theological rocket scientist to understand this. Jesus actually simplifies for us. He gave us four phrases that expresses the process of discipleship. And I'll explain them here. Number one, he said, come and see. That's the curiosity stage. Then he said, follow me. That's... uh the initial commitment stage. Next, he said, follow me and make fishers of people. That's the training stage. And then he said, take up your cross and follow me, which I would say is the lifestyle commitment stage. I do agree with Kathy that the process of discipleship actually starts before belief, and it comes at the come and see stage. When God invited me to come and see I was a Buddhist in name only. I was a high school student. I um, was really struggling at this time. I just lost my best friend uh, to suicide. But God came in. He intervened in my life. And it seemed like at this time, from that point, there were Christians everywhere. It was at work, at school, when before I never knew even a single Christian person. It was really weird. It was kind of scary, actually. Um, but at my time of curiosity, that was my time of actually taking steps towards Jesus, even though I was very, very far away. Now, you might be here because of an accidental click on YouTube, and you found yourself here. Maybe you've been coming to Paramata through a, um, a friend who has invited you, just to check it out. Now, I'm really happy for those who are here for the first time or you're just checking it out. You're in that come and see stage because it's really exciting and it's always surprising. It's like, wait a minute, Christians believe what? (laughs) Or I always thought Christians believe this and you're saying no. So it's a time of discovery. It's really fun. I'd also like to say if any time you're invited to any kind of Christian event, 
go. You know why? There's always free food. So I know this place. They make great scones. I can tell you later. Just contact me. Trust me on this one. Next stage is follow me. Imagine you're on a dusty dirt road and you're following Jesus. And you look ahead and you can, you can barely make him out, but he's there. And then you kind of look behind. It's like, oh, I haven't seen these guys before. They must be here to come and see. The follow me stage is come and see with more commitment. You may not be a believer. Maybe you've been a believer for a while. But the thing is, you're on that road and you're kind of pushing forward. You're listening more intently. So the follow me stage is a great place to be. Next, we have follow me and learn to fish. I just call this the training stage. At this stage, you're in. You've committed and you're ready to learn. Often people in this stage, they feel like, man, I I think God wants me to do something, but I really don't know what it is. And how do you do it? It can be also a little bit scary. What if I fail? Or even worse, what if God sends me out as a missionary to some strange country and they have really bad coffee, right? That's the big risk. (laughs) But actually in our Western world, probably the number one hindrance to our following Jesus more closely is time. We might say, I'd really love to, or I know I should, but I just don't have time. The good news is God takes us as we are. Being a disciple isn't about how much time you think you can give. And as the Bible reading will show us, it's about your willingness to give whatever you have. The last stage is take up your cross daily and follow me. Now, at the time Jesus said this, no one was wearing you know, cross jewelry because the Roman cross meant just one thing. That was death. That was a tool of capital punishment. So this was a metaphor for dying to your own desires and putting God first. Now, this seems kind of a, a high bar, yeah? High bar standard there. Why such a high standard? Well, Jesus came to seek and save the lost in every tribe, language, every nation, and his purpose was to create spiritual movements of multiplication to reach the whole world with his love. So in order to do this, he needed men and women who are faithful, who are willing to step out in faith to replicate what he had already done. This is called the disciple-making process. And to equip us, he didn't just send us out, but he, he, he equipped us with the word of God. He equipped us with his Holy Spirit, which meant God is with us always, and he will never leave us or forsake us. And it's that Holy Spirit that empowers us to do that impossible work. And then he also gave us and modeled his strategy, which was discipleship, plan A. (laughs) And as people often say, there is no plan B. That was it. Now, whatever stage you're in, know that God desires everyone who knows him to continue to move forward in their discipleship process. Today's Bible reading will be about Jesus feeding thousands of people. Most of you know the story. Some of you, it might be for the first time. But 
if you've never heard it or it's for the first time, uh, I want you to think of yourself as one of the disciples. Just put yourself in the story. Be in the story and experience the story. Try to see as disciples saw. Try to feel what they felt, like working hard, uh, being tired, being hungry, getting in the boat. What was that like? If you can imagine yourself there, it will make the experience a whole lot better. Also, keep in mind that the 12 disciples probably were not at the pick up your cross and follow me stage at this point. They were still in training. Also, observe what Jesus is doing. How does he react to each situation? There'll be a couple of questions after the reading. So uh, listen to this story, have some discussion, and enjoy. Uh, I greet you all. I welcome you to this service today. Uh, I invite you to, to read with me the book of Mark chapter 6, verse 33, all the way to 44. Jesus feeds the 5,000. But many who saw them living recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciple came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that will, de- that will take more than half a, year's away- half a year's wage. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then Jesus directed, directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the, gra- on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Checking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. When I put myself in this story, I actually have greater compassion for the disciples. The last thing I'd want to do is meet more people. And when they told Jesus, hey, look, there's no food, send them away. I'd be like, yes, <laughs> get them out of here. We don't want to see them. We're tired. We're done. That's how I would be. You know, when I'm tired and hungry, I really only think of one person. (laughs) 
And that one person, guess who? That Yeah, that's me. That's me. Very selfish. Fishing with Jesus can be really uncomfortable. It can be scary sometimes. It's tiring. And you know what? It can show us at our absolute worst. Thankfully, the essence of discipleship isn't about our effort to continually do more, 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 more. It's not about it. The essence of discipleship is our relationship with Jesus, the master teacher. Without that relationship, what are we? We're just religious doers prone to frustration and complaining. Now let's look at the story from Jesus' eyes. And I think this will give you a different perspective. While I was complaining, I'm imagining myself as a disciple. While I was complaining, Jesus was looking at people with compassion. What's the lesson from the teacher? Compassion is the proper motivator. While I wanted people to be sent away, he told me to feed them. The lesson? Godly compassion is active. It's not just a hashtag. While I snapped with sarcasm at Jesus, he saw I was finally ready to learn. The lesson? When I have nothing left, he has plenty to give. Last thing I see, when I look to myself helplessly, he looked up. The lesson, if Jesus relied on the Father, so should I. Now the story ends in a really amazing way. Jesus asked his disciples, arrange the people in groups. Have them sit on the green grass. What's the image you get there? Well, he's, he's being the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. But you know what? He's not shepherding. He's giving over the shepherding to his, his disciples. And he's saying, this is your training. He's training the next generation of shepherds. And that's what disciples are. And I think his lesson would be like this. Hey, guys, you know what? When you really love your sheep and you need to learn to love your sheep, you will never send them away. When they're needy, you will never send them away. And when you meet their needs, oh, there's no greater joy. (laughs) And so what did Jesus do? He said, you guys feed them. Can you imagine the pandemonium, when they're passing out the bread and the fish, the joy, it's actually what you're seeing. You're seeing transformation. You're seeing thousands of people transformed. Jesus could have done it all. No, he said, you guys do it. Because he wanted them to step into that joy. You know, it's this joy in the relationship that gives us proper motivation to move forward as a disciple. And as we move forward with Jesus, we get the joy of seeing that transformation in others. I want to tell you about a guy named Kaji. Uh, I've been blessed with many opportunities to see transformation in my life. Uh, but the best one was when I was teaching a guy in Japan uh, how to lead a Bible study. Actually, see the shirt? 
is my favorite shirt from Japan. Okay, I wore it for this occasion. Anyway, after helping Kaji learn the basics of his faith in a a simple follow-up Bible study, I asked him to come with me because I wanted to start a new uh, Bible study for a non-believer named Ryota. I said, Kaji, look, uh, I'll do the first couple of lessons, but you you got number three, okay? So you better watch closely. We'll talk about it, but watch closely what I do because when it's number three, it's your turn. He was so excited. Great guy. On a separate occasion, we're just chatting and, and we're talking about discipleship at that point, and and I told him, I said, you know what my goal is for you? I said, my goal for you and everyone I disciple is that you will be better than me, that you'll do things way better than I could do. And he just looked at me and he said, huh, well, wh- what happens if that happens? And I thought, huh, good question. I said, I, I guess that means it's time for me to go. Anyway, back to the Bible study. I led the two sessions, so that's two weeks past, and then it's like, Kaji, you're up. It's your turn. Well, he nailed it. He just nailed it. Smooth, confident. There's nothing I could say. And so I told him, you know, when we're done, Ryota left. It was just me and Kaji. And I said, it was perfect. I, I have nothing to say. I cannot, I couldn't do it a better job. And without skipping a beat, with this huge smile on his face, he said, well then, I guess it's time for you to go. <laughs> you know, as a discipler, that was the greatest compliment of my life. He got it. He understood. And my joy comes from knowing that people like Kaji and his wife Ayu, they continue to follow Jesus as faithful disciples who are continuing to make more disciples. Now, what can you do to take just one step further or forward in your discipleship process? I just have just a few suggestions. Of course, there's a lot of things you can do. Here's just a few suggestions. Choose one of the New Testament Gospels and read it as if you're a disciple in the stories. It'll really open your eyes. Another thing you do is contact the church about ministry opportunities. Just call them up and ask. And then you say, can I just come and see? They'll say, sure. Another opportunity is learn how to read the Bible with someone, maybe a friend, maybe a family member. Uh, At PVC, we're teaching the uh, Bible discovery method. And a new session is coming up. A new uh, introductory session is coming Contact the church. That might be right for you. Lastly, maybe you are uh, a disciple. Maybe you are carrying your cross daily. You're doing your best. But you know what? It's hard to do it by yourself. Find others, like-minded people, that really want to commit to God and walk together. You know, whatever stage you're at, don't stay still. Move forward. Take just one step, just one step, and he will carry you along. 2020 was tough. 2021, let's walk together as we follow the master into his discipleship process. Let's pray. 
Uh, Father God, thank you so much for sending your son not only to die for us, which is amazing, but he rose again. But some of the most amazing things we can think about is he wants us to work with him. He wants us to walk with him. And through your Holy Spirit, we can do that. And so I pray, Lord, that you would just embolden us. Give us at least a tiny bit of faith. Help us, Lord, to move forward for the greater good of your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.